Hey. <laughs> 74. <laughs> I thought he might have went with, and then chaos ensued. Yeah, chaos. <laughs> well, this that's It's either hey or, I mean, which is appropriate for this episode, but maybe I blew my load a little early. You should probably use it a little later. <laughs> you would have, yeah. I feel like the blowing your load, you can tell from that kind of reference what, what kind of movie we saw last yeah. night. Mm. And there's a lot of blowing of loads in this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of my was, favorite scenes is probably... It was that, an extremely yeah. uh, uh, brotastic uh, mm-hmm. film. Um, and if you're talking about the scene where two guys threaten back and forth... <laughs> Different, yeah. different ways of blowing one's load. That was probably my favorite scene, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I think that's pretty unanimous. So if, if we've already turned you off with that kind of talk, you really don't want to stick around. And you're not listening to Movie Smoothie if you didn't <laughs> like that. Time. Right. Wrong podcast. Yeah. That's how we've decided. We've, market research indicates that the best way to start your show is to tell people not to listen to your show. Right. It's and then the, they're intrigued. Yeah. yeah like, wait, am I listening to the right thing? Right, right, right. Especially, yeah, you're well, this is movie schmovie. I, I was kidding. Movie, you know, right. If you made that far, you should mm-hmm. know for real. This is movie schmovie. Either that or you're... A dick face. That was Ronald. I'm Steve. <laughs> I'm John. And that's John right there. And, uh, this is episode 74. Okay. Okay. This is going to be a fun one because this is a, a movie that we've all been, I think, looking forward to. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about This is the End. Um, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg's new balls of the wall comedy. Is this uh, And is this the first one they've directed together? I believe so. Yeah, now they've like co-wrote. Other stuff together, like um, like super bad super, and fifty fifty exactly. And did Evan Goldberg direct fifty fifty, or am I wrong about no, that? No, that was directed by the guy that did Warm Bodies. I do my research. Yes, Warm you did. Bodies. I forget his name as well. Oh, that's well, right. But it is not the guy. It was something something. It was, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> something something. And while I'm trying to stall, it's Jonathan Levine. Jonathan Levine. Yeah. So right. not yeah. not Evan Goldberg. It was months Still ag- sounds like a Jewish months guy. ago that we spent an yeah. entire episode talking about his filmmaking. So how could I possibly be expected to remember that? And, and seeing recently Seth Rogen on uh, the Daily Show, he was like talking about how him and Seth Goldberg, him and Seth Evan Goldberg, have been like best friends since like they were kids, which is I think pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they like met in like bar mitzvah class. I think he said, which is kind of fun. But yeah, it's kind of cool to see these guys who have obviously worked on a lot of movies together. Uh, Finally, bring one that they've co-directed, seen through, and oh, Seth stars in with basically every other comedian, funny guy that's yeah. been in any movie, mm-hmm. any degree of separation you can find between them. Uh, Seth Seth Rogen, Nick, help me out. I, I didn't want to take James all Franco, James, James Franco, Franco, Craig Day, Craig Robinson. Robinson, Robinson, Danny McBride, Jonah Hill. And a lot of really yeah. miscellaneous. If you look in the background, there's a lot of freaks and geeks people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Martin Starr. Martin Starr. Yeah. yeah, Michael Sarah, Jason Siegel, David Crumholtz, Paul Mini Kaling. Yeah, Mini Kaling. Yeah, I mean, pretty much anybody that's in, been in Freaks and Geeks, Undeclared, uh, any, uh, what else? Forgetting Sarah, any of the Apatow yeah, family. Any of those. Oh, yeah, Kevin Kevin Hart was in it. Yeah, Kevin Hart. 40 year old virgin. Yeah. McLovin is in it. McLovin. Yep. Anyway, let's run of, all the cameos right you, up. You top. know, you know these people from the commercials that you've seen. There are mm-hmm. some that are saved for the movie that I think are really awesome, which yeah. we may or may not discuss later. But basically, this is a apocalyptic end of the world movie. You know, these characters are playing versions of themselves or, or themselves uh, in a situation where Seth Rogen, uh, basically Jay Baruchel, comes into L.A. staying with him. They go to James Franco's new house party, housewarming party. And in the words of Ronald James, what happens? Chaos and there it is. Mm-hmm. We should have a little like sound that you cue. Um, like we definitely need yeah, like a one... car crashing, somebody screaming, yeah, and a, a, a thunderclap, yeah. yeah, weird, uncomfortable trumpet that they use sometimes, like 
Or also the or the sound from War of the Worlds, like the boom. <laughs> That's a weird sound. I love that sound. All the new trailers that I see indicate that dubstep is the scariest music. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dropping the bass. Did you see the trailer like the for? Uh, uh, damn it's a White House now where they're attacking the White House with dubstep. Oh, yeah, White or House it, now. Or is it uh, White House now? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you talked right through it. Well, yeah, no, um, is that, that one? And then, and then in Elysium, it's like they're using dubstep to attack the future. So it's yeah. it's all over the place. Is White House down a, co- a comedy? I can't. I think it's a feel. buddy film. I mean, yeah. I think that it's gonna it's gonna have it's, it's gonna have that Independence Day action blow them up. It's but Jamie Foxx doing a, a playing the nerdy guy it, opposite Channing Tatum. He playing, is the, the worst. Playing the role president. that Jamie, Jamie Foxx would have. He's played, the worst you know. president ever. Also, I think that, you know, he's, he's the worst. His foreign policy is horrible. He's fucking awful. Give a brother a chance, Ronald. He's, so he hasn't even, you know, but he, I like the gag with the glasses. I, that gets me. The first time I saw that. Yeah, that scene me. was really, really yeah. funny. That, but yeah, I, This is the End is the movie we're actually talking about. Yep. And like I mentioned earlier, it's a movie that they've been doing a really inter- interesting and I think incredible job of marketing this movie in terms of uh, how much access the cast has given of themselves to the production and, and the marketing and publicity for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a lot of big stars in my, I would say, in this movie, mm-hmm. um, an Oscar-nominated star, Mr. Jonah Hill. Yeah, um, which they bring up in the movie. Yeah, which yeah, which they, they play a lot with. But, I mean, there's stuff all over Facebook, Twitter. I mean, you know, special scenes that they shot that are only being released through a lot of these social media channels, um, like things on Vine. And it's just really cool how they've been, basically, you can tell that, they were friends who helped make this movie, and they're like, "Whatever you need from me, mm-hmm. I- I'm there." And I think this movie's going to have a huge opening. I really do. Even even opening against, I think so too. Man of Steel. Well, I think there was a at the screening there was like a a really palpable sense of people kind of being jazzed to see this movie. Absolutely. I had only seen there was like a two minute clip from the middle of the movie when Danny McBride's character shows right, up. Right, right, That they that they released online months ago, and sure. that's that's all I had seen, and so I went into it pretty unspoiled. It was too comedic to be taken seriously as like a real kind of thrilling adventure story. Sure, sure. But it stay it towed that line pretty well. And there were definitely exciting moments and scary moments and <laughs> some people you feel real sorry for and <laughs> some people not so much. But it was I mean, it was, you know, the fact that it was not just a goof on on a movie about the end of the world, but that it actually kind of tried to be a sort of, you know, a movie with stakes. I thought yeah. that was that was yeah. kind of unexpected. And it was great that it was hitting me like I didn't I had not been spoiled for any of those gags. So. Yeah. I just think it's cool how how self deprecating all the performances were, mm-hmm. and then when you're talking about like what, what John just referenced is like how it kind of gets, it tries to have enough serious uh, through line like where you you really feel like you're on this adventure end of the world thing like how is this going to end, mm-hmm. uh, which was I think was a really cool mix like something that really hasn't been I don't know that it hasn't been done before but has, I don't think it's been done as successfully as as I felt like this movie was where Well people talk a lot about Ghostbusters yeah, that, being that, this kind of magic mix that nobody that's else That's exactly has been able what I was thinking. And of. I won't say this is quite that or if it's even quite quite the same thing as that because one thing is Ghostbusters is a family movie it's sure, PG. Sure. This yeah. movie would have to I mean this movie you could take this story there, there's a PG or PG-13 version of this movie oh, sure. yeah. that could exist and I shave it down a little And I might not even I mean the dick humor and all that stuff I might say that's got a few too many of that type of gag in it but i can't tell you which particular one to cut because most of them are funny and these these are funny actors and they do that thing pretty well you know Uh, and like danny mcbride there's really no way to make him pg you'd have to tone down what's really fun (laughs) about his character super bad became that for a lot of people like it became that sort of movie that the kind of go-to movie that you can watch a million times with your friends and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i think one of the interesting things about it that i was thinking about as i was watching it was 
Um, movies like Ghostbusters are incredible. Humor executed well is a very rare thing. I think it's really easy to kind of go into that like naked gun territory when it comes to humor. Definitely. And I think that Seth Rogen is really, really good at avoiding the corniness of that that sort of line. And I think that's what the the vulgarity has to do with. Like I think that when it comes to uh a lot of sort of slapsticky stuff, the the gross stuff kind of separates it. It makes it it makes it more like, okay, there's a dick involved, there's mm-hmm. butt licking and stuff like that. That's <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it really, it really creates and if it's if it's execu- executed well, you And these seen, are small moments in the film that Ronald is right. talking about. These aren't even like these aren't moments. huge yeah. moments. If you've watched something like scary movie and seen that humor done wrong, then you know uh, yeah. that it can be done right through somebody like Seth Rogan. So that's it's a it's a huge, huge, huge compliment if you can combine those things and do it so well especially since there's so many bad comedies so many bad comedies comedies i use that term super loosely but it was done well i don't think i've ever seen a movie with so many comedians in it that was so funny and i think it was pretty balanced too i think everybody kind of got uh you know, like you, you kind of see some of them. I, I go back to some of the marketing, and I think it's kind of balanced in saying that you know this is one of the one of the first, if not beyond, like I think Tyler Perry maybe produced a movie that he was in that Craig Robinson actually is not just like a background guy. Like yeah. he is pretty much on a, an equal level as the other four or five you know comedic leads in this movie, and I, th- I thought he was hilarious. He was. And he's never turned in like a better performance either. You know, I I found him on the office sometimes that when that he was great for the cutaway kind of quick line. Shot, but once they yeah. kind of tried to fill him out as a character, it didn't seem like he really had the chops to play some of the more emotion like the emotional yeah. shifts. <laughs> and I've seen him pop up in movies and thought you know he's good but not great as an actor. He's funny. Yeah. And in this movie, even he makes yeah. a comment that he's lovable. And I yeah. feel like that's you know yeah. he is definitely that, a lovable that, that's guy. Your al- yeah, that's the allowance. But he, but he but he played there was there was uh, there was substance to the character that he was playing in this that was that was interesting. It was like he still he still kind of feels like he's a guy who just is charming and so he acts like himself on camera. Yeah. But this was the most I've ever bought him in terms of some of the. I mean, again, there's certain things that these characters are up against that are that are uh, you know horrifying and funny at the same time. And yeah. he did a pretty good job of of playing that. It was a guy who's being scared, but he's funny to watch being scared, you know? Sure, absolutely. I've only seen him in one more movie where I felt like he was that incredible. What was that? Miss November, where he played the character horsedick.mpeg. Funny as shit. Miss November? That's the guy that, like, the the whitest kids in the room? Uh, Yeah. Oh, yes. Horsedick.mpeg. That That was another really good character that he played. But this this is the most complete role that I've seen him in. And Franco, man. Franco was... Franco was incredible. James he, Franco was great. I was talking to a friend of mine today about it, and yeah. I was just saying, like, I mean, I, I fucking love James Franco. <laughs> I love him. Mm-hmm. I love Yes, Miss March, by the way, not Miss November, March. sorry. Yeah, I love Franco. I love that he's kind of pretentious and that he dabbles in all these different things. They made and fun I lo- of that I love that so he, much. I love that he works on a soap opera. Yeah. And, but I mean, in real life, yeah, I love, I love who he is. <laughs> he goes I love, to college randomly. And it's what people, yeah, but people don't like that about him. And I just love that he's, I mean, it's like, I get it. I get that he's a guy who can pretty much do whatever he wants. And why not then do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, the funniest unspoken gag in the movie is just there's a moment where they're in like his art studio. And they don't even really comment on it. Mm. But, you know, like the room, there's a room where uh, 
these two characters, it's when Jay Baruchel and Craig Robinson. It's great to talk about a movie and not have to remember the character name. Yeah, you just say, sure. Whoever it was, Jay Baruchel and Craig Robinson, when they're talking about like the real stakes mm-hmm. that they're up against, the room that they're in is clearly like James Franco's home studio, and it's just festooned with all of his like paintings and stuff and they're these arty abstract paintings but it's just funny it's like they didn't even have to comment on it you just know that he's been in there painting all the time and i think it even said in the credits when it was listing like whose artwork was donated for the movie james franco was thanked yeah i saw that so that had to be either paintings he actually just did or paintings he did for the movie but either way like it's hilarious like he manages to and all those guys managed to like poke fun at their persona and yet maintain the integrity of their persona at the same time like everybody gets gets to be the butt of a few jokes, as well as the the you know the teller of a few jokes. Yeah. It was the cool part about it was the the versions of themselves were kind of exaggerated, but not instantly like, recognizable. As not that, you know, not absolutely. so exaggerated that it feels like uncomfortable. Like this is forced. The, like the opening ten or fifteen minutes are almost naturalistic. Yeah, like there's some fun exaggerated stuff when the two buddies hook up, but it's yeah. like the way the two buddies are hanging out. Like Jay Baruchel's back in town. You don't really. The movie gradually sketches out the details, but they haven't hung out for a while. He and Seth Rogen, and they're hanging out, and it's one of those times. And I think we may have all been in this situation where you are are visiting a friend, and you want to hang out with your friend, but they want to go do something with their friends, and so Seth Rogen takes Jay Baruchel to this party. Sure. We've all been probably on both sides totally. of that. Totally. That when we when we do finally, there's a moment between Craig Robinson and Aziz Ansari that is so over the top, and there's like a broken there's a hand that gets broken off I mean there's all this crazy shit that happens at that moment it became like a Monty Python sketch <laughs> that it sort of broke the mold of the reality it was setting up like I think yeah. if they had, there were a few gags that if they just hadn't put them in there the movie would have almost maintained the structural integrity and it would have never dipped into that naked gun style world but that was like one of the only moments that felt like that that <laughs> yeah. felt like this isn't even physically something that would happen you know yeah. um, but and also it was a little too bloodthirsty like when I thought about it later I was like oh man that kind of I feel sorry for for that one guy who fell into the hole um, but mean I mean everybody yeah, yeah there's a lot of people uh, that part was pretty funny like a lot of actors you see in the background that you wonder if they're going to have much of a role and then you go nope well, but like once I realized okay it's going to be a funny movie and it's going to be more judged based on the virtue of how long since you laughed and mm-hmm. and i probably laughed every minute or two so it was good it was really good i i thought that uh it, it sometimes danny mcbride can be too much i think that well, this some, movie was all about that though i mean it his was, role in this it was, was him like, being too much from beginning to end yeah because I agree with you, but I actually liked him in this. Yeah, it's it's e- even even in that confessional when like James Franco was saying that uh-huh. that like yeah. the, the bride is just you know like I don't know if I like him anymore. Like right, he's like in a back- background. I thought like was... he can't turn it off, but yeah. he's like literally right behind him. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, I was dying laughing the whole time. I was like up in my seat. I, I just I don't know. Like you kind of you 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 know what you're expecting from a lot of these comedians, and. uh I mean, me personally, I'd say I, I I look for it. You know, when I know that, I mean, these are some of my favorite movies. Like these guys are in movies that I say I will almost always go see. You know, even if I end up not liking it, I will still go see their next one. Usually, yeah. I mean, especially like excuse me, especially like you know Danny McBride. Um, you know, I do really like Jonah Hill. I mean, and uh, I do too. Even though the smaller of the group, I'm really a big fan of of Jay Baruchel. Who most people don't even know. Well, I I love him for how how to train your dragon. Yeah, honestly, how to train your dragon is is money. Yeah, no, and it's great. Not, and also a, a smaller comedy that he did a couple years he'll, ago. He'll with, always be hiccup to me with <laughs> with Alice Eve. 
was uh she's out of she's out of my league or she's out of your league. That was such a good movie. Surprisingly hilarious. TJ yeah. Miller's in it. Really funny movie. TJ Miller is super underrated. I was worried he's not in the. He, I thought he might pop yeah. up in this. And he's also he also does a voice in How to Train Your yeah, Dragon. Yeah, I just think that like it was really nice to actually have expectations of the kind of comedy that each of those characters bring to their movies in in the movie world, mm-hmm. and then to see them playing that character and to see that comedy. You know what I mean? Like as that's who they are right. in those moments. I mean, I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty meta or like whatever. You know, kind of fun mm-hmm. to, to see. And I, I, th- I mean, I think it's probably one of the funnier movies I've seen in a in a long time. It hits those beats well. What do you think you know? about the religious theme? I, I, I told I, a, I told a buddy of mine on the phone that. that it's like it was an oddly Christian film. I mean, it was but. It, Especially I don't, I don't Seth, know what I make of that, you know. Normally devoid of like stuff like that, and and when it, God comes up, it's normally made fun of. But this was done in a way that. Well, I mean, like let's go ahead now, and and if it sounds like we're about to dip into some semi spoilery territory, mm-hmm. um, so I think we're all recommending this film. I think we're saying this is a go ahead. Right. Go ahead. See it. See it. See it. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, you 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 probably know whether you want to see this movie already based on whether you like these guys. Um. And I do say these guys. There may be 1.5 roles for women in this movie. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's possible that you don't know if you like these. And the threat of rape just scares them right away. Right, yeah. Well, that that scene was funny. There's another bit later. Well, yes. Let's get into rape in just a minute here. Um, But um, The meat of this show. Yeah, right. Uh, But um, I would say even if you are on the fence about these actors you might be surprised at how much of a real movie this is, that it actually tries to tell a real story, you know? Like, that would be, that would be the big thing that I kept being impressed by. So, so now we can, now we can, it's a free-for-all. Now, so, talk, so uh, the religious overtones. Yeah, Not overtones, overtones, just religious story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically confirms the sort of, you know, Christian idea of the, I mean, even though it does it in a cartoonish way, but it really confirms the idea of it, it's judgment day. All the really virtuous people are zapped up into heaven. And then the people that are left are kind of fighting it out. Yeah. And so our characters are all sort of in that purgatory zone of, of being people that have a chance to fight their way out. And it, whether or not they can redeem themselves really becomes a major plot point. Yeah. And they end up in an actual literal, like, you know, a 10 year old's idea of what heaven would be like essentially, which is like yeah. funny. But so I would say they kind of seem to be poking fun at, that religious aspect, oh, even totally. a, even as they are not being pointlessly offensive. That's all. That's it. Yeah, yeah. they they embrace it just to kind of poke at it a little bit. Yeah, I, I I think that's all it is. It can I can see how that would make a lot of people uncomfortable though. Like it's a it's an interesting thing. Like if you have a good sense of humor, I don't know what good means. If you have a s- open sense of humor mm-hmm. I, you'll find that it's 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 a pretty funny thing because re- religion in general is a very weird thing you, you know you're kind of guessing about something that you nobody's made it back to talk about so to see it on screen and the way that it's presented is a pretty funny thing i haven't read any reference to them talking about that aspect of it but i would wonder if their attitude would be that this is just like if you're talking about end of the world scenarios, this is like one that's out there that's kind of in the pop culture as much as it is part yeah. of a religious idea. Well, yeah. that's kind of what makes it unique. I've never seen an end of the world movie that revolves around a concept like that. It's normally like things are fucking falling apart, but it's not like the literal rapture. The literal and, rapture. And seeing it through. Yeah. yeah. Like that that's yeah. our ending. Seeing you know, it. seeing yeah. it to the end. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Like yeah. I was like, are they gonna actually go for or is there gonna be some like weird twist of something weird happening? Like they were like shooting some fucking movie or something like that mm-hmm. this whole time. I was like, well, at the very end, at me. the very end when they're in heaven and Jay Baruchel gets a wish, I yeah. thought, what if he unwishes 
the whole thing. Which yeah, yeah, we were I, talking about I, that. I thought and I, was I briefly good. was like, mm, I hope they don't do that. Because yeah. I hate, it's like, I always hate when the person thinks they live next door to a killer, but they don't. You know, I, I hate those gonna, types of movies. I so, like, I wish that Jonah Hill wasn't dead. I <laughs> thought that that was. I don't know why I thought that. I thought he was going to wish James Franco up into heaven. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I do sort of like. And then the he fact would become God for <laughs> sacrificing his wish to. I do sort of. Seth and, I, and I do like that all those characters that did die sort of horribly they're sort of left dead because it gives the movie the kind of you were talking before about these guys playing around with their image like yeah. that that was one of the things that was sort of ballsy about it um yeah james franco's arc like you, your heart does sink when you know he basically almost redeems himself and almost gets sucked up into heaven but it, when he's getting Can't sucked up it. into the beam of light he he has to gloat and he's flipping off uh, danny mcbride and telling him to suck his dick and so he he falls down, and the the and then the, he gets eaten. The look right. of disappointment on his face when he hits the ground, <laughs> priceless. Like you feel sorry for him, but it's a great moment. I mean, it may have yeah. been one of the, uh, I mean, literally, may have been one of the the best, like beginning to end performances I've seen James Franco get. Like he was awesome. yeah. he was funny and great, and totally seemed to know what he was doing. And the, now that we can refer to it in a spoilery fashion, the scene where he and Danny McBride are threatening back and forth about coming everywhere. <laughs> uh, when, when he called him a pilgrim, I just lost yeah. it. Yeah, jerking off like a pilgrim, I just lost yeah. it. <laughs> It was funny because it, it just kept escalating. And it, it, it wasn't like a fake. It didn't seem like a fake argument. It seemed not like a all. real intense, like, fuck you. Yeah. You're not going to well, fucking well, jerk up. We've known, like, those two characters were at odds. So we, <laughs> yeah. we've seen it bubbling over. And, like, there are moments where you think, like, one of them's going to kill the other one. And yeah. so, yeah, definitely that moment felt like the culmination of something. It felt like an ejaculation of, yeah. of hatred. But also, I just love that when you're watching that moment, you're laughing. It's two guys threatening to jizz everywhere. <laughs> and you think to yourself, like, normally you would be like, how can you possibly have that moment in a movie? That's too far. But the way they arrive at it is is so tied to the situation. Yeah. That you, yeah. They, they could have been fighting about anything. That just happened to be <laughs> and the And it just went there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you know that that scene was like on paper was like, Danny and James fight about jerking off. Oh, I was yeah. wondering and how it, much of that it, is written down. And yeah. it's like... Guys, just just go, yeah. and, then, and it's like they just let it air out, and it just goes on and on, yeah. and it doesn't get any worse. It just it gets, gets better, better and just better. escalates. I like when Danny just starts pointing at yeah, the and they're, walls, and, yeah. and they're just talking over one another, and he's like throwing like he's just basically throwing jizz all over the walls as as James is telling him he doesn't know how to properly jerk off. Yeah. And, oh God, that's like the scene I would have to go back and watch. It was so over funny. and over again, so funny, and that's what I think makes it unique too in a way, because like you you know you do have like the comedy. I mean, any comedy that you say is one of your favorites. I don't know if this is one of my favorites, but I, it's probably my favorite comedy I've seen this year, if not the you know, last couple of years. Definitely the most consistently I've laughed in a theater for a while. I might, yeah. I might be forgetting something, but it seems yeah, like for I, a I long mean, time. I can put it in that conversation. But I mean, you know, there's there's scenes that you like quote from movies, and like some of them are you can quote them like out to anybody. Mm -hmm. That's the funny thing about this movie is that like some of the scenes that you want to talk about are so inappropriate yeah. and you're just like this is absolutely an r-rated film yeah and i will talk about it with my friends that are okay with me yeah. sounding like a pervert or a right. jerk or you know the james about franco the sucking dick one is yeah. one of my favorite well lines. that was in the and clip that's in the clip <laughs> yeah, yeah was, i yeah. love that that's so funny his danny mcbride's face like well that scene where he basically takes all of them apart <laughs> Yeah, like that, that, that moment. That, that's our intro. Like that's where he meets up with the guys and like makes it known that he's that he was at the party the whole After time. After this beautiful sequence of him yeah. cooking breakfast and like yeah. using up all their stuff, he did and, that twice actually. Yeah. He he tore them apart two times. Yeah. yeah, in the beginning and then when he just started shitting. Around, yeah, called uh, James Franco a self righteous something. Yeah, yeah. That when he had, when he when he was wearing his tux. Yeah, and they were yeah. Yeah. Him out of the tux. The house. 
The part where he all right, so there's a part. I mean, where, really, you might think we're gonna go through. We're gonna. You, go, I can feel it coming that we're gonna sit here and just talk about. Okay, I can see yeah, I'm trying to. We, we, we are being. You're talking about the gun. The gun part the gun, was. I know the, the tension. The tension in that part was yeah. actually legitimate because you kept thinking one of these characters is gonna die this yeah. way, and in fact, had it not been a stunt gun, they all would have died, yeah. and Danny McBride would have murdered. He would have murdered all. all of them in one. And the best part is that the whole time James Franco, when they're taking the inventory, he's like showing off the guns, like this is real. Mm-hmm. Six bullets, yeah. real, and he's like just like selling it, yeah. from, and it's like it's like from Flyboys, <laughs> a very well known James Franco film, yeah. obviously. Right. And the best part, and for me, of that scene when he she shoots them all, like ten seconds later, if you watch it again, I don't know if you saw, it, but Jay Baruchel's face, mm-hmm. it like it, it hits him again that he just got shot. <laughs> but it was like a, it was, a, it was a, a false a false bullet. They're all talking about like how much of an asshole Danny is, and if you see him in the background, he literally just goes like. Like he just has like a, like a second wave of fear. Did you notice that they reacted as if they got shot? Yeah, which I thought was also very funny. Yeah. So you like brace yourself to die. You're like, Ugh. that scene was hilarious. I'm, I'm, yeah, the more I talk, I mean, I'm I was just gonna say I, that like, I it, love this movie. Yeah, it, it was, as much as I would think, hilarious. I wouldn't want to like this type of movie just because you know you get fatigued the same actors keep doing the same sure. roles and like a lot of my favorite yeah. comedic actors are guilty of kind of oversaturating. Like Will Ferrell played the same character maybe too many times even though i think he's funny i don't get excited to see that he's in a movie anymore you know and all these young guys have that kind of thing going on where it's like there's still certain movies that you'll always love them in but you just don't know if this is going to be one of those and it's like it really might be just about the best and the funniest all of these guys have been in one movie it's got this emotional through line that reminds me of a movie like pineapple express or uh, or super bad where you sort of what makes it worthwhile is that you really do care about the friendship of these characters. They did downplay. None of the characters had like wives or kids yeah, or girlfriends anything else. or anything. And I, I heard in an interview where Seth Rogen said that, you know, even specifically with James Franco's character, his brother, uh, is it Dave. Dave Franco, who's a funny actor. Yeah. And we talked about him. He was in warm bodies as well. Um, he, uh, they were going to have him in the party scene. Right. And then they decided not to, because they basically said that anyone who's at that party, except for our main guys gets killed and that they didn't want to deal with it. They didn't want to have to dramatically deal with James Franco mourning his brother, nor did they want to have a movie where James Franco doesn't give a shit that his brother yeah. got killed. Yeah. So, like, they decided not to have those ties. So all of these guys are kind of... All the characters are poised at a sort of state of arrested development. These are all sort of man-children who don't really have, you know, uh, like, roots put down. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing yeah. because it definitely feels like... I mean, I, I doubt that uh, Seth Rogen, you know, he gets too much done. I doubt that he sits around smoking that much weed uh, in his everyday life. But yeah. it's possible. It's no. possible when Jay it's, comes to town. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fairly possible. I think he's heavy-duty weed smoker. I I think that, that it's... Uh, I was... I was very, I was more, way more entertained than I ever, ever expected. And I think that when it comes to comedies, I'm really hard to please... Particularly when it comes to things, especially that Seth Rogen's been in, because I, I, I'm kind of on the kind of yeah. sick of him, sort of. And but I'm open. I'm open. Well, I probably haven't seen the last five movies he's done. You know? Right. So like, if if there's something he's in that I feel like he's gonna do well in, I'm gonna watch it. And he he did it. He did it. James Franco, Craig Robinson, Jay did it amazingly. It, it's just the perfect balance. All their characters were different enough from each other that when they kind of went head to head at each other and argued it didn't feel like to it didn't feel like one person wrote this it didn't feel like you know the same character was talking to the same mm-hmm. character that 
that's one of the problems that I think I have with some comedies. It feels like, you know, it's it's one gross person talking to a less gross person that's almost the exact same person, and yeah. it just feels like that all the time. Or like people, yeah, every character kind of had their angle and their agenda. Um, how did you guys feel about the, and maybe this is just on my brain, maybe I got the PC filter put on my brain these days, um, but how did you feel about the sort of weird nighttime demonic rape of Jonah Hill being played so that the, the joke is sort of him acting sad and scared and hurt the next day. <laughs> yeah. Jokes like that always make me feel a little uncomfortable. Like I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to laugh at the victim of, even if it's as silly as that, I do feel like it's very suggested that he is raped horribly by a demon. Well, and in the next scene we see now it quickly becomes apparent that he's possessed. And so it kind of changes yeah. that. But that immediate moment when that audience erupted with laughter, yeah. I was like, uh, are we laughing at a Vic? I mean, even though it's in a silly, crazy world, yeah. but are we laughing at a victim of rape? I think it's the balance because he knocked Jay down to kill him, even in and out. It's like he he almost knocked Seth Rogen's best friend down into the pit mm-hmm. in the beginning, like kind of supposedly. And he also expert. right before that was praying for God to kill him. <laughs> to kill, yeah. I that makes me laugh. I don't know mm-hmm. what that it scene is about praying yeah. for people to get hurt. <laughs> that makes me laugh so because it's such a weird thing. Like all the things to ask for, to ask for somebody to get hurt is yeah. What does he say about him? That he's like. Honestly, like the worst person you've ever created. (laughs) So funny. So, I mean, I agree with that. They give you a reason to think that that he deserves something. But I guess what I'm saying is, in that moment, it feels like I don't know. That that, might have been the one dick joke too many for me. Like you know, even though it was funny when that silhouette. I don't know. It's I'm I'm torn. I'm torn. You guys didn't get squeamish at that at all. Okay, I I know what you mean. I, I was laughing. Yeah, I thought it was funny, but it was an uncomfortable moment. I thought it was funny earlier. They're talking about. Being now concerned fu- about Emma. Yeah, no, that part was Emma funny. Watson yeah, Watson. Yeah, being raped and it coming off to her like they were talking about raping <laughs> yeah. her, and then in the end, it's 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 one of them that ends yeah. up being raped, no, and that's yeah. the butt, that's the butt of the joke. You yeah, know what I mean? it's just Ooh. like oh, see what I did there. No, but I like that scene because that was funny and it grew out of a comic misunderstanding. Absolutely. But, yeah, but yeah. it did escalated. Yeah. I love. that. I think maybe that's what I'm saying is that that was proof of like what I could, like one side of the coin that was a funny rape joke. The other side of the coin was a rape joke that I thought was not like one step too far. So there is far. a meter for the well, rape you know, joke. people yeah. talk about this. That people say that basically jokes that disenfranchise the victim are are the ones that rub you the wrong way, typically. Whereas jokes that disenfranchise <laughs> the, the jokes that are on the sort of aggressor. Sure. And I, the reason I thought that joke with Emma Watson worked was that the joke was on these guys who it's almost like they really should have known better than to even. You know, like they and what's funny is everybody starts off. Was it Jay Baruchel that was worried about it? Everybody starts off saying to him, like, why are you even bringing that up? You know, and then they all just start talking about it so loud. But it's like the the possibility they're worried that she might feel vulnerable amongst all these guys. She's the only girl. And and it turns into a situation where she becomes extremely uncomfortable. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, no, that was and she may have been the one. I mean, I really can't think of outside Mindy Kaling has like a funny line early on, but I can't remember. Were there other female characters even? No. Rihanna. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Rihanna. she had a couple lines. That's really yeah. And the girls uh, blowing Michael Sarah in the bathroom, yeah. eating his ass out, yeah. <laughs> which was hilarious. Very well cast, I must say. They were beautiful. Yeah, they were beautiful. And he was. It was funny to see him basically do a Neil Patrick Harris turn, yeah. essentially in this. But I mean, like, totally. it, but it was funnier. Whereas Neil Patrick Harris, when he and we'll get into that in just a second here, other actors who played themselves, but Neil Patrick Harris is a recent example of that. And I'm going to say his name again, Neil Patrick Harris. Just because I've already said it three times. Actually, Ron and I go go by NPH. We know him personally. You know him AFK. Yeah. Um, He um, 
he did, sort of set that template of playing him, you know, playing your playing against type and playing yeah, an awful yeah. version. I mean, maybe he's not the he's definitely not the first actor to do that, but uh, that seems to be the theme. When you show up as yourself, you have to make yourself look like an asshole to prove that you're in on the joke. Um, and then uh, I thought Michael Sarah in this, it was almost like a different flavor on that because, like with Neil Patrick Harris, the joke is sort of like everybody thinks he seems like such a nice man, you yeah. know? Whereas with Michael Sarah, it's almost a joke for the benefit. Like, if you like Michael Sarah, then you get to go, oh, he's funny in this. Yeah. And if you don't like him, then you he sort of plays to the type <laughs> of, like, if you hate Michael Sarah, what you might think he would act like, you know, if you thought he was a douche. Like, right down to the fact that he's wearing, like, this weird tricolored windbreaker. Yeah. It's, he's just just annoying. From And you hate him. Like, he's awful, you know? So like, The scene when he blows the coke in yeah, uh, the, McLovin's face. Right. And he's, oh, that was great. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I I I'm a, I love this movie. I, I thought it was, I was dying. Yeah. I would say, um, if you're on the fence about it, I, I know that uh, it's on YouTube. But Jay and Seth versus the Apocalypse, which is the the short that this was like based. I've off never watched of. that. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's like six, five or six years oh, old. Okay. But it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Just to see from every from every big movie that these guys now get made, you see where it started. It's cool that they kind of well, this had script something. has been going around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm just saying it's cool that. You know, they have the the weight to do it now on their own. You know what I mean? And like yeah. a movie or a little short that's been sitting on YouTube for six years, they saw something through, which I think in in after seeing this film was uh, it's well worth very, it. very positive returns in my yeah. opinion. I mean, proof of its quality to me is that if you were to do the non-funny version of it, it would still be a pretty entertaining story. Agreed. Yeah. And Agreed. it's also hilarious on top of that. So. And it also has an 80% right now in Rotten Tomatoes, which wow. is absurd. Yeah. That is absurd. No, you're right. It might for just a crazy ass for a comedy. comedy like this, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Don't, don't these, don't some, usually it's later in the summer. Like I'm remembering, um, there's something about, I'm stifling a burp, but I'm also remembering, um, there's something about Mary was one that came out later in the summer that was a huge hit. Yep. And then uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, these R-rated comedies. Occasionally, they do really well in the summertime. Absolutely, yeah. like it was. Was the uh, Wedding there, Crashers was in the summer? Yeah. Oh wow, that was yeah, it was rated R. That it was, was Wedding Crashers and uh, lots of boobs in it. And forty year old same summer. Wow. Which did you like same better? Same summer, forty year old virgin. Between Wedding Crashers and forty year old virgin. Forty year old virgin. I've seen forty year old virgin more, and I think I'm. It might be like a cleaner, more well put together movie. But if I saw Wedding Crashers now, there, I might laugh at more parts because I haven't seen it that many okay. times. And I remember it was the last time that I really. Thought Vince Vaughn was pretty oh, funny. Yeah. Okay, okay. So and also Bradley I, I, I Cooper lean, was funny as the douchebag. Yeah, in I like lean the, a little towards forty year old myself, but uh, yeah. but I mean, like, two, was two was great comedy. Yeah, That's great. Comedy. I mean, I definitely, I would definitely here. lean towards forty year old version just because, like I said, I've seen it more times and it holds up. Like it never, it's it's a really such a streamlined sure. movie. There's almost sure. nothing really wrong with it at all. At and all. it might be my favorite of Apatow's movies. In fact, I think it definitely is my favorite of Apatow's movies. I would agree. I think that's my favorite too. I feel like he just kind of went bonkers after a while. I don't, I like him, but. Well, speaking of Apatow, he's someone who has people playing themselves in his movies quite a bit, even if it's just little cameos. Yep. But like, um, what, uh, you know, just to rattle a couple off, uh, you know, James Taylor has a pretty funny scene in Funny People. Yeah. Uh, where he gets to sort of, you know, bust on comedians making dick jokes and ask, <laughs> like someone asks him, does he ever get sick of singing the same songs every night? And he says something like, do you ever get sick of always talking about your dick or something <laughs> like that? So it's a funny one line, basically cameo, but it stood out and it it makes you think, oh, James Taylor must be a, a you know pretty cool guy to sort of yeah. come in and sort of spoof his his nice guy image like that. And then also in uh, This Is Forty, Graham Parker, another oh, musician, yeah. also and plays much more of a character. Sure. But talk about the tweaking his image. The whole gag is that he can't sell records and that he doesn't even care. Like that to him, 
he's at that point, and I think a lot of artists are actually at this point where they make their money touring. Putting out the album is just sort of part of their career, but the label really bears the brunt of that. If the album doesn't sell, it's the label that that gets hurt. The the yep. the, the act can move to a different label and yeah. can keep touring. So in that sense, it's actually a funny cameo, but also a, um, you know, actually. I, I don't know. That was one of the. I like the sort of music industry plotline, and this is forty probably more than the, the actual, stuff. <laughs> the actual. What movie? are some other actors playing themselves that stand out to you? Uh, Julia Roberts playing Julia Roberts. In oh, Ocean's I have 11. that on my list. Yeah, I thought good that was call. so good. I, that was I never so saw good. that coming, and I remember when I first saw the movie. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Ocean's Twelve. Ocean's mm-hmm. Twelve. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, that, that, that was, I thought that was a great. I always cameo. remember that one. That was one of my favorites, especially when when uh, is it Bruce Willis? Right? Is, yeah, it ends up like kind of screwing the whole plan up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and recognizes her. Recognizing her and yeah. talking. Because to her. Bruce Willis, he's played himself <laughs> in. Uh, what was that movie? The it was like a Hollywood spoof. What just happened? Was it who's it? Barry Levinson. I think Barry Levinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the name of that? I think you're right. I'm not sure. But he played he played Bruce Willis. Yeah, in, I believe in that movie. He also what, played in Unbuild just... in The Player. Oh right, right, He's, right. There's a and it's almost kind of a spoiler to if I go go into more. But there's a moment towards the end of that film where we see Bruce Willis, and he's in a movie within the movie. But it's definitely <laughs> supposed to be Bruce Willis, and it's a reference to earlier when someone made a joke about uh, casting okay. Bruce Willis in this film. Um, so yeah, that's you know that'd be yeah. Three what time, just happened? Three times that he's played himself. Another one I had was uh, probably one of the more recent ones I had was uh, Bill Murray in Zombieland. Yeah. Oh, had that to was in that one. Yeah, out that was of my so mind. Good. in the theater seeing that movie. Yeah, and again, amazingly, never leaked. I mean, at least me when I went and saw yeah, Zombieland, I didn't no hear idea. About it. Bill Murray was in this was in this movie. I had heard there was a big cameo that. No one wanted to spoil. Okay. And so I was sort of on the ready for it, but still when it occurred, it was like so great, you know? Oh God. Just any and he kills it. Like mm-hmm. the everything in his scene. Did I hear that they wanted great. someone else and it fell through and then they got I him? have no idea. I'm not sure. But I just love how like he's he's so prepared for it all by acting as a zombie. And that ends up being why he dies. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just fucking that's how it would happen. Yeah. Just a great, great scene. Um and it's another note I had was somebody asked him, uh, I think Abigail Breslin asked him if he has any regrets. Mm-hmm. And he, he says Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> that movie Garfield. That movie was awful. I just love it. This is good stuff. Uh, later, ver- okay. <clears throat> the celebrity who would cameo as himself was written as a zombified dancing Patrick Swayze. Oh, okay. Including references to highlights oh, of Swayze's career. Uh, later versions of the script considered Sylvester Stallone, Joe Pesci, Mark Hamill, Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Bacon, Jean-Claude Van Damme, or Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And that was a cool surprise. <clears throat> not a movie, but James Vanderbeek and Don't Trust the B, Don't Trust That B in Apartment B, 23 B, whatever. A TV show? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's incredible. Well, if we dip too much into TV, we have to start talking about Wayne Brady on on Chappelle's show. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. I talk about one where it's like image resuscitation. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a couple others that, that um, stood out to me. Um, John Malkovich in Being John Malkovich. I had that, yeah. And Charlie Sheen in that as well plays himself. Uh, and then, even though I didn't see the movie, J- JCVD, uh, but Jean-Claude Van Damme oh, plays yeah. himself in a, or a character oh, who's yeah, based on yeah. himself in a movie where he's in a hostage situation, and he, it's kind of like a movie of his, but instead of being... It, it, it's, he plays himself, like, he's basically trying to, like, get his daughter back, like, mm-hmm. from a from a divorce lawsuit hearing, but in mm-hmm. the process kind of gets caught up in an action, a real-life action movie. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it become yeah. It actually is a really cool movie. I wanted to see it. It's I really just... good. He's and he's actually really good in well, it. The one thing I remember hearing about a lot was that there supposedly is a scene where he um talks to the camera for an extended period of time, yeah. and it's kind of like an autobiographical monologue yeah. or something. Yeah, that really, sounds really weird and daring and it's interesting. It's awesome though. It really yeah. is good. Yeah. yeah, you guys should check it out. Check it out. That seems like a Netflix I have, uh, movie. I know you're probably gonna mention one, so I won't mention it because you alluded to it earlier. I have uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Jane, Jane oh, uh, Silent Bob. That was back. so good. Uh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, they're like on the Miramax lot and yeah. they're filming Goodwill Hunting too, <laughs> mm-hmm. making fun of Ben Affleck's career and everything. And Gus Van Sant's like counting his cash in the drink. I don't know, just yeah. just a fucking funny scene. So what? what who, who else? I don't really have anybody else. Oh, I was, I was gonna, gonna say NPH. Oh yeah, Harold well, Kumar. Yeah. I thought you were going to... I didn't want to steal your thunder, John. Oh, no, I don't. I only brought him up initially just to say that that might be the one, the big one that is sort of stands out in everyone's memory right now because yeah. he's done it so many times. Yeah, I, I think in those... So that all the, the series of those movies when... You, when Do we talk about Mark Hamill and Jane, another Jane Silent Bob? Yeah. The cock knocker. He was a cock knocker, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's... Ah, that movie. And he's written released. into um, that Mark Millar comic, Secret Service, which actually Matthew Vaughn is making into a movie. Mark Hamill played. You know, I Mark have Hamill Secret is Service. Written, I haven't started on it. That well, the comic's already being uh, being made into a movie, yeah. and in the in the story of the comic, there are celebrity like sci-fi celebrities, geek celebrities that are being abducted, mm. and Mark Hamill actually plays a, a small role in the first issue of that. And I, you know, knowing that Mark Millar is like, got his hand half in Hollywood and half in comics, it makes sense that they probably already have, right, right. they probably already have Mark Hamill signed on to play himself in that, right. you know, so. So yeah, definitely the theme seems to be, you get to, you get, it reminds me of actually something I don't like, uh, which is on S- SNL when um, a celebrity, when they have someone who does a celebrity impression and eventually that actual celebrity will pop up oh, in, a, right, right. in a sketch and kind of walk up behind them or whatever. I don't like that when it allows the celebrity to sort of set, show they're in on the joke and kind of defang the joke because it's usually a really lame celebrity that that deserves to be joked about. Sure. But when they do it in movies and it's actually them and it's written, it reminds me of that show Larry Sanders. Yeah, totally. Uh, where, it, you know, every week it was just people showing up and being worse than you've ever seen them be. <laughs> It almost is an easy joke to make now, but it's obviously it still has juice because I mean this movie was just wall to wall that type of joke. I and mean, this is this is just uh, not a great. I don't know. Happy Gilmore, Bob Barker had to throw. Oh, it okay. There. Oh yeah. 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 I'll shit one. all over Happy Madison movies now, but back in the day I used to like. <laughs> I used to be great. I used to be a fan. <clears throat> Grown ups. Price is wrong. Grown ups. Bob. <laughs> bitch or whatever he says. Yeah. He I had forgotten that he actually was playing himself in that Bob Barker. But yeah. So good. Are you gonna see Grown Ups too? Hell no. I wouldn't even let my friend look at the poster. <laughs> the first one looked awful. Dude, uh, they make so much money, though. It's they just do. like, I, I can't say that I fault them for doing I mean, like, I, I can't say that man. if I was in their shoes, you could, you could call me a sellout, do whatever you need to. But if I'm making that much money, I'm okay with it. There's a large population of people <clears throat> that uh, are really into the corny. Like the corny, Dude, infectiously corny. I couldn't agree more. Stupid comedies. The safe they, yes. And they they make they make sequels they make tons of money. I'll give an example. Any of them. When I realized like how how easy it is to manipulate people, the the White House down trailer when the president is kicking the person the with White the Jordans on White House down yeah. White House now yeah and he's like don't touch my Jordans that's such a weird thing like a modern corny joke that will immediately win laughs like it's just a. It's a stupid thing. Like, it's like, oh, black people love their shoes. Old black ladies will laugh at this, mm-hmm. guaranteed. And guess who laughed? 
old black ladies in the theater. <laughs> Guaranteed. It's like a, it's like a a formula that you you get together for corniness that always works. Yeah. Yeah, so well, all of those guys and grown-ups at different times I have laughed at. So Agreed. it's strange that as Agreed. they're all like at their most successful level, yeah, I have almost no interest in, in any of them. You know, Maybe they should have just been playing themselves in this. Maybe it would have worked better. I like Paul Rudd in the movie, too. The random Paul Rudd. Appearance. Yeah, that was such a funny frantic. Like he, From the moment he gets there, shit's, shit's gotten bad. And it, yeah, there's, it's funny. We yeah. don't want to just... I mean, I guess if, if theoretically, if you've listened this far, you've seen the movie or you, you yeah. don't want to see it. But even if you've listened this far and it sounds like we spoiled everything, I don't know that we actually spoiled everything. We didn't actually we didn't. talk we, about... We left, the, the, we left the one big cameo out. Yeah. And, and, and let's just stick with it. At this point, yeah. we're at the end. Might as well... Wait, this is the end. Oh, I'm on fire tonight. <laughs> yeah, no are. one is giving me any you acknowledgement. I'm a little upset about this. I would say you there's two fire. big cameos because there's one that is the one you're talking about, and then yeah. the one at the very end will surprise somebody. Oh, dude, I almost forgot that. I apologize in advance. And I thought to myself, even I was giddy during that. Well, last I was going to say, I know that that you that, know it. that happens to be your jam. That is my jam. Oh, it's not yeah. my jam, that but I it. will say I felt your joy coursing through the, the stadium <laughs> seating. And I saw you kind of hop up and down or something. I actually did feel I felt like I'm happy for Steve. You know? The yeah. fact that they chose that as the as that piece in that movie, yeah. that that yeah. Rogan Gold whoever choice that was, yeah. well played, sir. It was. Well it was. Music supervisor, whoever you are. Uh, you guys are good. Yeah. You guys are good. Uh, but yeah, this is the end. Go see it. I think it's great. I thought it was super funny. Like I said, one of if not the best comedy I've seen in the last year, not just in 2013, in the last year from the day I saw This Is The End, mm-hmm. probably one of the better comedies I've seen. And I will absolutely be seeing it again and will watch it again when it when I have a copy of it myself. Same. And I'm sure that we'll still joke about it in the future. So it's 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 one of those I think it has like a little bit of it's going to have like a staying power kind of comedy. I think it's going to be something that people are going to start are going to start re- referencing, quoting, you know, I think it's going to be one of those movies. And yeah. uh it's pretty cool because I don't I know there's been a lot of them recently, but definitely I'd, I'd say whatever our scale is. What is it, John? Is it this is? Go ahead, go ahead, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Yeah, with with all there's there's go ahead there's wait for it and then there's hold up yeah yeah. <laughs> so I say go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, see it immediately. <laughs> with a silent. That's not a silent Jay. Is that one of Jermaine Jackson's son's day. names? Immediately. <laughs> But that weird curly hair that he has. <laughs> so weird. What did he put in his hair for that shit? It makes me uncomfortable. I didn't come prepared with this answer. I didn't do my my Jackson family hair That one hair must product. not be on Google either. Yeah, I, sure. I legitimately want to know. I don't know anybody else's hair that looks like his. All right, guys, we got to shut this one down. Ronald's got to hit the internet and find out about the hair products that the Jackson It's a very important yeah. question. It's very important. Episode 74 in Is the it? books. This is the end. This is it. Thanks, John. You stole my last joke, bitch. (laughs) As always, thanks for listening. You've made our day.